Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast. Our tremendous guest today is Monty Lankford. Monty is a healthcare entrepreneur and been involved in conservative politics for the past three decades, and he is a devout lover and expert in the Word of God. You're going to want to listen. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to our Tremendous Leadership Podcast, where we talk with leaders on leadership. And today, I'm tremendously excited to have our guest, Monty Lankford. Monty Lankford is a seasoned healthcare entrepreneur and has been actively involved in conservative politics for over three decades. He has been married for 44 years and has five grown children and 17 grandchildren with two more arriving in August, which is a tremendous return on investment, Monty. He's an influencer in life and his love is God's work. And that deeply touches me, brother. So welcome, Monty. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. Excellent. And Monty, we love that accent. My dad was from Alabama. My dad was such a Southern oh, gentleman. Wow. Where are you from? I'm in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm just south of Nashville, about 20 miles. Hmm. And I'm about an hour from the Alabama state line. So what part of Alabama was he from? He was from Tallahassee. Is that northern or southern? Or? You know, I'm not sure exactly where that's at. Okay. That he did take well, me down one time to see his grandpa's grave. I'll have to figure that out. Yeah, great state. Yeah. Great people. Yeah, obviously, produce some of the finest. So, so Monty, what we're talking about today, um, and we connected because you had clo- uh, uh, contacted our website about getting your grandkids on a tremendous reading program because you had read tremendous books. Your son has, you've encouraged him to read tremendous books, and we'll talk about that. But one of the books that my father wrote was on the price of leadership. And in it, he kind okay. of pulls back the curtain of leadership and he talks about, hey, leadership is wonderful, but it's tough. And there's a price that you have to be willing to pay in order to be a leader. And I know you have paid that price. And so today we're going to talk about just some of the things that he touched on. And I would love to get your input because you've been in a very different field than what my father was. And uh, you're the first person that we've had involved in politics on this um, podcast. So love to hear about um, your your insight on that. One of the things he talked about, Monty, uh, was loneliness. And we've all heard mm-hmm. it's lonely at the top. Um, but can you share with us some of your thoughts on uh, the loneliness that a leader experiences? Yeah, uh, I was reminded of one of the quotes uh, you know, that I heard a long time ago, and, and that is simply, if you uh, are a leader and you have no followers, uh, then you're just taking a walk. And so, uh, you know, part of being a leader is having followers, and it's hard to sometimes to imagine loneliness uh, at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key to uh, having less loneliness is to really helping people understand your vision of what you're trying to accomplish. And so if you share your dream and you can get people to really buy into your dream, then there's less loneliness because they understand what you're thinking and what you're trying to accomplish. And also, uh, sometimes leaders will fail to uh, let people dialogue with them or question their leadership. 
and I am reminded of uh, one of my favorite uh, favorite political quotes is from Barbara Bush, mm-hmm. and uh, she simply said, "When two minds think alike, one's wasted." Mm. And uh, so it can get real lonely if you're not willing to uh, let people disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if you create a box that people are afraid to uh, communicate with, and then it is lonely. I, I have been uh, always had an open door policy in my companies. Um, and so people could come in without any fear of a reaction or a retaliation. And uh, they didn't have to agree with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, is sometimes I would listen to them and make some changes because I think it's the wise thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can get lonely because no one understands the pressure that you're on, and so under that you're under as a leader. And so it does get to where sometimes you just think, "Man, I wish people could really feel what I'm carrying here." Oh, absolutely. And, and I can remember as a younger leader, you always think, oh, I could do it so much better when I get in the chair. And then you get in the chair and you're like, wow, there's a lot I did not, I was unaware um, that went on. And so, um, and I think leaders too, you know, you can't complain to your followers. I mean, that that's unacceptable behavior. So sometimes you have to be going through things kind of, I mean, you have your advocates and maybe your board or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. you got to kind of separate yeah. yourself a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You, ha- you have to remember that you are the leader. And uh, when everybody's at the top, uh, then you're not leading. Right. Uh, you're just you're just strolling along with everybody else. So the leader has got to set the pace. He's got to be out in front. Um, it's a lot of courage to be a leader. It is. And uh, and just to to realize that you're the first line of defense, uh, so to speak, for your whole organization. And so you do have to have a lot of courage. And um, and no matter how much you do share. There are certain things that people cannot understand about leadership. And Mm. for instance, your team will never understand all the burden of the financial side. Uh, They get a job, they get a check, they they expect their checks, and you're the guy that has to make sure all their financial needs are taken care of, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. they just don't think about that part of it. Well, that is a great point for the leaders out there or the people that are in organizations. And I had somebody when I was kind of uppity and thinking I could do it better say, until you sign the checks, you're the signer, you don't understand because you don't have the yeah. whole fiduciary responsibility. And so you can sit here and second guess everything that's going on. But until you're in the chair and your social security number is tied to all those finances, you're right. I mean, that's, that's a really- A whole different game. Yeah, it is a whole different game. And so grant your leaders grace too, uh, because they're, they're putting their necks out there. You know, yes, they're the ones that set the way. They're also the ones that when um, the ship is going down, they're supposed to be the last ones off the ship. And so it's, yeah. it's a special kind of loneliness, isn't it? It really is. And you can, as a leader, you can relate to other business leaders that have gone through similar uh, situations. I'm just reading a book right now. Um, uh, it's about a guy that uh, founded Covenant Transportation, and he had done really well. And then when the uh, economy crashed in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, in one year, he lost $40 million. Um, 
and he was losing two million a month a lot of times. And so uh, stock went from twenty three dollars a share down to a dollar sixty seven. Mm. And you know, I can when I read his story, I can really relate to the ups and the downs of the uh, business world and being a leader. And uh, so it's not always easy. And some people think about leaders, they think, oh, man, you know, I wish I had his job. And I think, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You probably wouldn't want it after day one. So, yeah. Well, and or, or uh, all the fat cat or why does he make so much? And I'm like, when you sit in that chair and you understand the risk and the responsibility, you'll understand. Um, the other thing is um, the leader is never off the clock. Uh, we don't get to go home and just turn everything off kind of thing. Yeah. So it's really, you know, a lot of people, they come in, they do their time. And when they're done, leave your problems at work and just go home. But leadership, it's, it's, it's all part of you. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad leader. You can't delegate. It's just, you're responsible and you got to take that serious kind of thing. Yeah. Well, um, and nowadays people want to have access to you a little more than eight to five. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, even as being a leader is to really find the disciplines to know, you know, when do you call it a day and when do you not call it a day? And, and, um, my wife frequently reminds me that, uh, you know, your home. And so, uh, and I, I appreciate it because it's easy for business to engulf your life, uh, day and night. Um, I always tried as a business guy, uh, to wrap my day up at about five o'clock, um, because I was raising children mm-hmm. and I felt that to really raise a good family, it would require me being dad and being time, spending time with them. Mm. So you have to depart, learn how to departmentalize what is important and as a leader uh, and how to juggle multiple balls. Although you're running this company, um, sometimes the leader, what I have found out that maybe I go in at six o'clock in the morning while they're still sleeping Mm -hmm. and I can get a little more done. But at five o'clock, try to go to the house, spend my evening with family. Absolutely. Well, that brings us to the next point that my father talks about. And he says, the second price of leadership is weariness. And so you talked a little bit about that. How do you balance that? And he said, if you're going to be doing anything worthwhile, there's going to be some people that do way more than their share and others that do way less. So how do you stay motivated and how do you stay refreshed? You know, you have to have a moral compass or something that drives your life for me uh that is that's the key for me um the part of being lonely sometimes when you're making really uh and and even getting weary but making those tough decisions is that sometimes you're by yourself and you know when you make a decision that you have people you hope will follow uh i went through that um uh, you know, there's a couple of things I did in the political world. One is I led the takeover for the conservatives for the state of Tennessee. Uh, this state was uh, mainly a Democratic state for about 140 years. Um, and then in 2010, I started, uh, 2009, actually, I took a, I started a leadership pack with the goal to travel the state and turn this state uh, conservative. And um, so we ended up putting about 45 people, 40 or 45 elected representatives in office over about a six-year period. Now, 
it was pretty lonely because I didn't know how it would be handled. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, it's going to have to be done. It never been done. And, um, but it was very gratifying, mm-hmm. uh, to accomplish such a goal. And then people around the country would call me and say, how did you do it? And so mm-hmm. we could tell them, but I'll tell you, it was challenging when you go into districts that have been run by, um, perhaps, um, uh, not the conservative side. Uh, and you have to, you have to find candidates and make sure that they have the right moral bearing. And one of the things I always looked at is the moral compass of individuals that, uh, I have around me and working with me. Um, I really, uh, you know, you've heard great leaders make the statement, all great failures are moral failures. And so you've got to find people that understand right and wrong. Um, in one of my toughest challenges, um, I had to go up against the Speaker of the House in the state of Tennessee and um, for moral issues. And so it's not easy, but you've got to be uh, you've got to be committed to some kind of, of a moral compass that says there's things that are right and there's things that are wrong. I'm not going to violate the right and the wrong. I'm going to do what's right. Mm. every time and these have got to be absolutes in your mind and mm. and um what causes people to waver on those things is that they don't understand or they have not engrafted truth into their life enough mm-hmm. and so as i said um, my greatest love of my life is the word of god and um, um one of the things i did many many years ago is i made a, co- a covenant with my eyes i call it my eye covenant and uh, simply this, that there will never be a day in my life back then. I said this, that I will never uh, start another day and look at my cell phone or my computer or social media or TV or newspapers uh, without having first bathed my eyes in the word of God, because that's what gives me my moral strength. And so people know me. I'm a very black and white personality. Uh, I'm not a real judgmental type of guy, but I am a guy of absolutes. And I believe, uh, you know, that that has come about because I've woven the fiber of my mind together with truth. And uh, so when I had to uh, go after the Speaker of the House of Tennessee uh, to try to get him uh, dismissed, uh, first of all, I got a lot of opposition from a lot of the House members because they they thought, well, he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. And... About four or five months later, I, I went to the, the, the press came to me, the media, the news media, and I wanted to interview him. And, and I laid into him because I knew him. And I just said, you know, it's time to expect, you know, a right from our leaders. And if, I'm, if, if your leaders cannot commit to moral absolutes, uh, how can we follow those people? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, Within hours from that hitting the press, I started getting these calls from the representatives and the senators, and um, they said, you know, we didn't realize uh, realize all this about this speaker until you came out. And I said, well, I tried to tell you six months ago, but you had to figure it out. And so long story short, within three weeks, the whole administration toppled and he was dismissed. Uh, The governor uh, joined me and said, you know, we're going to demand his resignation. So it's very hard. Uh, I, I really like the guy. I really, I knew him for 35 years. Uh, we were in Sunday school together. Mm. But at the end of the day, I had to go along 
I had to follow my, my moral compass and look at a man and say, you know what? You have lost your bearings and we don't, you know, if, if our leaders cannot obey the laws, they shouldn't be leading. Right. And um, so we should expect uh, that of them, but very hard, very tough. And uh, you don't know where it's going to leave, leave you. Um, at the end of the day, if people, it's just going to write you off because you've attacked their speaker and that you, but it, it, it went very, very well. And, and as a result, people respected me more and they, they, and then they know that of you. So. Right. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that Monty because, you know, we assume uh, that leaders are dealing with people underneath them where there's moral issues or non-value congruence. But what do you do when another leader, you see that going on? And I really appreciate you also saying it went this way this time, but there's no guarantee that that couldn't have gone the other way. But what you're saying is it doesn't matter the outcome. When you no. stay true to your yeah. true north, you can't. Devi- the, you have to stay true to that. And I think that gives you the energy and your faith. You know, you have the Holy Spirit gifting you with strength and yeah. discernment and wisdom, um, because otherwise, it's just too daunting. Well, the I covenant was, you know, and my my degree is in theology, so I'm a Bible major. But my uh, the I covenant I entered into. You know, 12 years ago, uh, and I was always a student of the word for 45 years. I, but uh, when I made that covenant with my eyes, it, it radically changed my world because I, I get up in the morning early and I, I try to spend a good hour, hour and a half every day of my life reading mm-hmm. uh, and praying. And, and uh, it's amazing what it does for your, it, it's so exciting to get up and go read. Um, I don't know. That's and maybe a part of it gets to be your age too, you know, but um, I have found that um, it's just redefined me as an individual. Mm -hmm. I've always been a a strong believer, but um, I try to encourage people today to get a hold of the truth and put truth into your life on a daily basis. And that will give you the strength uh, Mm -hmm. to make the right decisions. And it's not easy. It's times, like I said, when you You've got to trust your moral compass because uh, you've woven into it. And so um, I told a guy recently, I said, you know, when you put enough wisdom into your life for years and years, eventually everything that comes out of your mouth is wise. Beautiful. Wow. Uh, Because that's what you've woven into who you are. Yes. And so don't think it's strange and don't be afraid to speak. You put it into your life and, you know, some people fear they're going to say something that's off the wall or stupid. I say, you know, when you put wisdom in for all of those years of your life, just speak. Wisdom will come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and you can, when you hear people, you know if they are uh, renewing their minds or if they're regurgitate, regurgitating emotive um, non-truths or uh, just you know, their own personal opinion kind of thing. So, and yeah. is it I, like I, E-Y-E covenant? Yeah. I love it's that. It's I, E-Y-E. You know, uh, Job made a covenant with his eyes. Um, yeah. And that oh, he would not God. look on a maiden woman to lust after her. Yeah. And it was so interesting. I was doing a fasting in Florida for about 10 days, and I was in my upper room down there at the beach house, and I said, uh, uh, you know, I was reading through that passage and the Holy Spirit said, why don't you make a covenant with your eyes? And of course I said, well, you know, God, you know, I've never been unfaithful to my wife. 
And he said, well, why don't you make a covenant with your eyes? And I said, I'm not into pornography. Well, why don't you make it? And I kept on dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. And finally I said, okay, what does an eye covenant look like? And it was almost like he spoke to me and said, why don't you promise your eyes that there'll never be another day? Make them a promise today that there'll never be another day that you put any other reading before you, social media, internet, telephone calls. I don't take calls in the morning or anything. My wife knows if the phone rings in the middle of the night, it's her job because I'm in, I'm going to be going to the Word somewhere and reading before I get on any calls. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, and, and I'll tell you the truth, uh, Tracy, it has radically changed my whole family. Uh, they've always known me as a guy that loved the Word, but all of my children do the same thing. They have all got into this lifestyle of... Uh, every morning of their life getting up and reading the word of God. And uh, they're just phenomenal leaders in their own right. That's incredible. And for those of you that are like, well, what should I read? What should I read? Uh, One of the things that I would recommend is read a proverb a day. Um, There's 31 proverbs and proverbs is the consummate, the best leadership book ever known. So even if you're like, well, I don't know where to start in the Bible and there's plenty of devotions, just read proverbs. If what is today? Today's um, the eighth, read proverbs eight tomorrow, read proverbs nine. And that I just, I can't believe the wisdom, the leadership wisdom in there. And then you've read proverbs. I did that for 25, probably 25 years. I did that Tracy every day. I did 12 times a year, the book of Proverbs. And, uh, you know, I've memorized hundreds of proverbs and, and uh, mm-hmm. that is the key to it. Um, mm-hmm. and I read the book of the, uh, I've read the gospel of John. Uh, uh, well, the first, second, third John, I read over a hundred times, mm-hmm. James a hundred times, just while I was in college in one semester, Ephesians a hundred times. And, and the last year I read Ephesians 27 times. I did it every day for, for a month. And, okay. uh, it's you know so six chapters so you can read in about thirty minutes right and you start you start doing that for about three three weeks or four weeks and uh, it finally gets in your head <laughs> you yeah. finally you finally can remember it you know oh my goodness hey so the other thing I want to uh, pull out for our listeners is you said you were doing a two a two week fast I did a, a two weeks fast the last January. Talk to uh-huh. me about that. What brought that on? You know, talk to people because a lot of people fast know the importance of it. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, but a two week fast, tell us about that. Yeah, I um, I was really just praying, and um, in two thousand nine, I did a fifty two day fast, um, and that was once every from from Tuesday night till Thursday morning. Every week I would fast. And okay. so it was one day a week, 52 days in one year. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, so during those days, uh, I would, I was really, I don't just fast to fast. I fast because I'm trying to get breakthroughs or find some discernment and right. I need some uh, time with God and just really commune with Him. And so uh, in 2009, when I fasted for 52 weeks, every week I would write on a subject of, uh, sanctification, forgiveness, redemption, um, you know, the theological truths that I'd studied, I would, every week I would pick one and write about it. And it would be a five or six, seven, eight, 10 page little writing, enough to, enough to do a book if I wanted to, but um, that was good for me. So I, I fasted and, and then I would study on this subject of sanctification or forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? What does it mean to love? And, um, 
the 2000, the, the two week fast was the longest I had fasted, which is kind of probably a shame at my age. I've, I've probably fasted a few hundred days in my life. Uh, but typically it'll be a day here and a day there, three days here. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so that was a longer fast for two weeks. Um, it was really about, um, trying to seek God for direction for the next year. Mm. And, um, it was one of the most wonderful things I, I did, uh, was just to take two weeks and fast and, uh, uh, and the, really the things that um, the Lord really put in my spirit during that two week was to pray for healing and miracles, um, just to see great things done by God. Mm-hmm. And that became my whole theme that year was just healings and miracles. I mean, obviously, I've been in great health, but healings all in every aspect of life and miracles. Uh, I wanted to see God do greater things than we're used to seeing in our life. Uh, I read about them all the time. And I think there's got to be a place in the life of the believer where we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to literally believe and trust God to do miracles mm. and to touch lives, uh, not for our credit, but we are ambassadors of Christ, and Jesus said that the things that I have done, greater things you'll be able to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I and I'm just I I'm 60. I just turned 64 on Saturday, and and I'm I was praying this morning. I was saying, Oh Lord, you've got to know that I'm 64. And of course, He knows when I was conceived. But I said, You have to know that I've got, I, I've got to do more i've got to get more done in these next years you know this chapter of my life i can't i mean it's got we've got to see some things happen and honestly tracy i believe the when you get god develops us for many many years and so i've been a follower of christ 45 years and i'm probably at one of the best places i've ever been because it's i've been able to thread it into my life all these years and i tell people every day I know how to help you get where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a wonderful thought, you know, that I can tell people, look at them. I say, it doesn't matter where you are. I can help you get on, on, on path, mm-hmm. you know, and it just comes from years of life. So, right. Right. Well, that kind of goes into the next one, which is abandonment. And I think this is where your stories are helping listeners. And even I'm so blessed by it because abandonment means we have to stop doing the things that we want to do or like to do. And we need to focus on what we need to do and ought to do. And so we need to daily die to self, to wastes of time, to saying, I can't get up early when I was up watching TV for four hours late. I mean, you know what I'm saying, Monty? It's it's absolutely. And, and, you know, God can't work unless you do. So um, it sounds like. Well, you you have to let your, Uh you know, I always tell people, let your daytime dictate your nighttime. And so set your clock in the morning, make yourself get up. And then in the evening, if you're so tired because you got up early, then just go to bed early. But yeah, make your smart. morning time dictate your night time. Right. And and so, um, you know, it's, it's it is really important to uh, and, and along that thought is that you have to, you know, talk about being focused on different aspects of your life. I think that's kind of where you're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1997, I wrote this quote, uh, which I've 
enjoyed writing over a little, like probably hundreds and hundreds of little proverbs. But it was simply uh, focus. The definition is keeping your eye on the goal and not the obstacles. Mm-hmm. And so people have to learn in life, don't get sidetracked by the obstacles. There's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. You've got to stay focused on really what are my goals. Mm-hmm. And because the uh, sand ballots and Tobias will come along and they'll try to help you or try to discourage you. Don't get sidetracked. Just build a wall like Nehemiah did and stay focused on really what is the goal that I'm trying to do here. And you have to keep those goals written down. You, ha- you know, uh, part of what I have to do is I have to, I, I live and die by a calendar. Mm-hmm. I put it on calendar. Mm-hmm. And then I keep my notepad with me wherever I go because I'm making notes. I'm sitting in meetings. I'm making notes. And I set my to-do list and I have to check it off. And if I don't get it off this page, I'll carry it to the next page. But you have to stay focused to to lead. And uh, it's there's so many distractions. Um, now, with all that said, I think you have to be flexible and fluid also. Mm-hmm. Um, because somebody's going to walk into your office someday that needs to hear from God that wasn't on your schedule. And it wasn't on your calendar. And you have got to be so sensitive to know, okay, this guy walked into my office just now, and that's just not normal. So, God, why did you allow him to come in? Mm-hmm. And 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 so it is being a little flexible, but mm-hmm. staying focused. Um, and that, man, that that's a lot of the role of the board of an organization too, and your leadership is to let's let's stay on track. Let's uh, let's. Uh, I believe it's Mark Twain. That made the statement when you chase two rabbits, you catch neither. Absolutely. They both and get so, away. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to really hone down on where's my focus and uh, why, what, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Ask those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what am I going to, what am I doing? How am I going to do it? Why am I doing it? And, and really come to believe in what you're doing. And, and I mean, so beautifully said. And one of the things, you know, where you talked about somebody comes in your office or, you know, we were on this tight deadline. I can remember the end of last year I had, I was finishing up my PhD. I was getting, getting ready to get married. My mom was ready to transition to heaven. I had to have surgery on my eyes. I mean, it was crazy. And all these things were happening. I just said, God, you have the time clock. I'll do whatever you need to do, but you have to redeem because I only have this many hours. And I'm telling you, Monty, he would help me do things that normally would have taken me a week. Boom. They would get done. You know, so I tell people that too, you know, when you abandon yourself, you may get pulled here and here to be a minister ministry to somebody, but God redeems the time. You know, because yeah. God operates outside of time and he has all the wisdom. He already knows all the answers. So just don't get too hung up on that. I love that. Yes, we do need to stay focused because we're terribly distracted and more distracted One now with all the stuff. But 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 allow for grace to kind of pull yeah. you off in little side. Yeah. One of the things a friend shared with me is that uh, about God is he's it's so wonderful. He's in his 90s. He said, Monty, remember that God is not a God of time. Right. He's a, he's a God of timing. Mm. Uh, there's never been a time when God was not. And I remember asking him, can you repeat that to me? And he said, God is not a God of time. He's a God of timing. And he was telling me, God will get you where he wants you 
in the time when he wants you there. Hmm. He will open the doors and you don't have to try to force things to happen with God. Right. You just walk in the presence day by day and he'll get you where he wants you to go. And that's hard for us. We want to be in control. We we do. We do. You know, somebody told me you want to yeah. fly faster than your guardian angels. And it's like, yeah, just want to, want to, <laughs> yeah. 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 A good boy. Isn't he so, so gentle and gracious with us? I mean, <laughs> only God, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so the last one that we talked, that my dad talked about Monty was vision. And uh, my father always said vision um, was simply just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And I think sometimes we think, well, I could never be a Moses or I could never be a Reagan or I could never be a Patton. But, but in fact, you know, all of us need and have vision. And so share with me what, how you encourage people to find their vision and, and how, how you grow in wisdom and discernment and vision. Mm. Well, you know, uh, Reagan and Patton and them, they would have never dreamed or thought they would be what they were either. Hmm. Uh, and so they, they started out just as young boys uh, running through fields and falling and skinning their knees and going home crying, just like everybody else. Um, so uh, a lot of it is just coming to some places where you make some real calculated decisions. Um, and I remember as an 18-year-old boy, um, I got saved when I was 17, and I remember going out into my dad's backyard, and I. I'll never forget it. It was in November and it was cool and the dew on the ground heavy. And uh, I remember laying out there, just brought out my face in the grass, my nose in the grass. And I saying to God, I, I will not leave here till you change me. Hmm. If you want me to be a normal person that I see in the church world, I'm out. I'm not interested in that. Um, but God, if you can take someone like me and I'll, I'll pay the price, but if you can take someone like me and really help me to be a kingdom changer, an influencer, a visionary, I'm in, mm -hmm. but if you want me to be normal, I'm out. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of those. And so the world is crying out for visionaries today. Um, people that are not satisfied for the status quo. They believe that things can be changed. I believe that, uh, and in fact, I started writing a book a couple, a few years ago. I'm still working on it. And it's just simply influence. Mm -hmm. I believe that influences, we are all a product of influence. Every one of us. The totality of every person is influence. We're all made up of influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And really, when you think about that and think about every day, you know, what is your vision of impacting, influencing the world? Uh, what, what do you, how do you see that? I mean, what you're doing today is doing that. How can I have a vision to change healthcare? And that's where I am. Um, I think I may have told you, I don't know. I'm, I'm just starting a new company called Interstate Health Systems. We are uh, doing 300 urgent care clinics and truck stops all over America. And that is a, that's a huge undertaking. We've been working on it for about three years. 
and just got our capital funding commitments. We've got a few of them, and people are pretty wild about it. But, you know, I had to, I, I, I saw a vision of healthcare for the trucking industry and for travelers, people going down the highways, mm-hmm. and for traditional people in rural areas. How could I create a healthcare system that could be better for people? Um, you know, truckers that are just on the road all the time and there's three and a half million every day on the road all over the country, another three and a half million local truck drivers. And so uh, I put all that together, a vision, uh, what it would look like, and uh, started getting ready to roll it out. You know, so you have to have vision. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really, and you have to believe in your vision. Mm-hmm. Don't second guess yourself. It's um, one of the things I've learned is to, Never second guess uh, the things that God reveals to you in the light. Don't ever question in the darkness. Mm-hmm. You know, God speaks clearly to you about things in your life and gives you visions or dreams and business opportunities and opportunities that come to all of us. And once you uh, receive a word from the Lord like that and he shows you something, don't ever question it. Just stay true to your to what you what you what you are convinced God told you, and it'll be fine. Well, that is one of the most beautiful um, teasing out a vision that I have ever heard. Because that is that is where you know the devil kind of whispered it in underneath that. And we kind of take our eyes off the Lord and start sinking a little bit. But just Monty, that really deeply touched me. Thank you for that. Well, you're so kind, and always remember, we have to remember that the devil is the liar, and he is a liar, and he's the father of lies. Yep. And um, so when these things come upon us, the fears and the anxieties of the world and of life come upon us, it should be a number one indicator that it's just Satan. Yeah. He's just there to torment us. Right. And if if we let him, if we keep him outside, he'll eventually leave us. If we ever open the door, he'll come in and just devour us. Yes. So, yes. we have to keep the door shut to him. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Well, Monty, that, that's the four topics we wanted to talk about. As we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to share with us, brother, about just paying the price of leadership? You know, I believe if anyone is going to be a true follower of Christ, it's going to take self-denial mm-hmm. and taking up your cross. And there's never, I've never met a great leader that did not, if you looked at their life, did not have a lot of trials and um, things to walk through. It's the fires of life that purify our lives and burn the dross out of us. And so I remember as a young man saying to God, oh God, I'm willing to go through whatever the price is to be used by you. And I remember saying, and my wife laughs at me. She said, I wish wish I wouldn't have been so open to God. But (laughs) I said, Lord, you know, I am a young man, was way back then. And so the quicker we can get this stuff going to beat me and to conform me to the image of Christ, the more honor I can bring to your kingdom right. later on. And so uh, you know, let's, let's, let's get rid of uh, the gratification for today. Let's look at tomorrow. Let's, hmm. you know, what, where are we going to be in 20 or 30 years? And uh, people want self-gratification today. They're not willing to pay the price. But I believe the world is still looking for that man or that woman that's totally committed to Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so 
for anyone listening, I would encourage you to, if you have to take baby steps, take baby steps. That's how babies learn to walk. And just take every day, just a few minutes of your day, and read the Word of God. Hmm. You know, the Gospel of John is John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 is my two favorite verses in the Bible. And it says that uh, there are many other things that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that by believing in his name, you can have everlasting life. And so I encourage people to get the Gospel of John, 21 chapters, one chapter a day, three weeks you're finished with it. And try to read things that would make you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And there's 137 times, I think it is, or 135, where the word believe or believe is in there. So John said, I wrote these seven, these 21 chapters so that you can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And by believing, you can have eternal life. So I want to encourage people just to, if it's just reading the Gospel of John, just one little chapter a day, mm-hmm. three weeks, start it over again. Read three more weeks till you learn to really believe in this Christ. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to share. Oh, you're welcome. And and Monty, just like you said, if we open up the door to the roaring lion, the great deceiver, he comes flooding in. So does God. All you got to do is be open. I I can remember when I grew up in the church, I remember thinking, I got to figure it out. I got to get more saved. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes over 100%. You just got to get out of the way. So I'd encourage people, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Just have an open heart and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. You will be diligent. Monty, just thank you so much, brother, for those incredible tips. Um, the leadership lessons you gave, the Eye Covenant, just just all your thoughts, brother. Thank you so much, and I'm so excited about um, what's going on with your um, the healthcare for uh, the truckers yeah. and things like that. That's incredible. So, how can people connect with you? I know we connected on Facebook, but how can they find out about yeah. you, your healthcare organization? You know what you've done. I don't know if you're still in politics or not. How can people reach out to you? Yeah, and. There's, there's a couple ways to reach me. One, of course, LinkedIn is great. Facebook is great. Um, uh, but my email is montylankford56 at gmail.com. That's my personal email. And then my business is monty, M-O-N-T-Y dot Lankford, L-A-N-K-F-O-R-D at interstatehealthsystems.com. Uh, I have people reach out all the time. And um, I'm kind of maybe like your dad there. It's it's only good if you share it, right? And it's not good. It's not good just to keep it and hoard it up. <laughs> so, um, you know, they can uh, follow Interstate Health Systems, and uh, but uh, I am still involved in politics. I um, I've had a wonderful journey. I helped with the takeover of the U.S. Senate in 2014 with Senator Jim Dement, and uh, I've, I've helped with a lot of elections in D.C. Um, but that's really where God called me to. That was a calling and it still is. And so I'm all about influencing culture. I told my children when they were young, I said, you'll never look at your father and, and say to me, why didn't you do something? Mm. That'll never happen. And so, you know, I led the takeover in Tennessee and then did a lot of cleanup, um, uh, helped a lot with races all over the nation. Uh, but, um, it does matter who governs, mm-hmm. and the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, and when the wicked rule, they groan. And so, as a 
mandate from scripture. And as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, I am committed to get the righteous in and the ungodly out. And so that the nation can rejoice. Thank you, Monty. Do away with the groaning. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and then to go into that leadership realm, I mean, that is really true leadership. That is selfless, sacrificial leadership. So thank you, Monty, so much. We're going to get this copy out to all our listeners out there. Thank you so much. This is Monty Lankford. Please reach out to him. And thank you so much for being a part of our tremendous tribe. Have a tremendous day. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.